0: Well, thank you, Ken, for leading in worship there. Be Thou My Vision is one of my favorite songs. And it's the chorus that kind of caught my attention there. Hallelujah, show us the way. I know I've prayed, show me the way, Lord, show me the way, show us the way. I know I've prayed that quite a few times. Have you? So one of the reasons I need to pray that is because my default settings are broken. You know, like when I have a computer, I usually leave everything on default because I figure, you know what? The engineers knew what they were doing and I don't. So I'm just going to leave everything on the default settings. But we can't do that as people. At least I can't do that because my default settings are not, not great. See what I find is that I tend to get more mad than I need to get. I tend to overreact to things that I don't need to overreact to. I just So, so I mean, just this, the idea of me preaching on video, again, uh, on 1-9, you know, I found out on Friday that another one of our kids had COVID. So, okay, so we rearrange everything, and I preach on video on that Saturday. Then, uh, on the following Saturday, before one sixteen, I tested, did a COVID test, just as a matter of um, kindness, or uh, I don't know what it was. But it was like, for a relative that was pretty cautious before we went to go see them, and it ended up being positive. And I was like, oh... I was so, so mad. It was actually much more dramatic than that, than I just did. It was, like, I I really overreacted. But that's because of all the red tape I knew was coming because I had COVID. I'm just saying my default settings are broken. And just just so you know, this should be, Lord willing, this will be the last Sunday I'm on video. Um, I'd have, I could be in church this Sunday, but I would have to preach with a mask on, and I don't want to preach with a mask on, so here I am. My default settings are broken. I tend to overreact to stuff. My default settings are broken, so I got to pray, show me the way. And so I have to focus on, okay, only say what you mean. Only say what you're going to follow through with, because my my default settings are broken. and And I know this because I also... I also got to remember to be nice to people that aren't nice to me. It's, it's easy for me to only be nice to people that are nice to you. I, I don't know what, what you're like on that, but sometimes we can want to avoid people that, aren't, that don't treat us great. So we got to pray. Show us the way. Because our default settings aren't, aren't great. This is what Jesus was speaking to in this passage that we're going to look at today. People whose default settings were broken. So here we are in Matthew chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles with you and you want to open them with me, Matthew chapter 4, and we'll begin in verse 12. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would stand in front of me Will I stand in front of them, and that you would talk over me, Will I talk to them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are in Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. Now when he had heard that John had been arrested, so Jesus had uh, just been baptized by John not too very long ago in the passage, But he hears that John the Baptist had been arrested, and so he withdraws. Um, So he withdrew into Galilee. And so Galilee is a region in the north. You can see the Sea of Galilee there. I'll have several maps. And it's easiest to keep track of where Galilee is by the Sea of Galilee, which is circled in blue. So Jesus was down south near, near Jerusalem on the Jordan River. He withdraws to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, so Nazareth was his hometown, that is in the region of Galilee as well. That's where the arrow is pointing towards Nazareth. He went and lived, so this is his home base for ministry, is Capernaum by the sea. You can go to Capernaum today and see the ancient village where Jesus lived. You can, like I say, you can go there today if you're in Israel and you're up near the Sea of Galilee in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. So those are uh, two of the 12 tribes, and I have them outlined in green. They're right up there by the Sea of Galilee. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Okay, so if you've been studying this along with us, um, maybe you're noticing that as a theme. So I've been marking them in my Bible as we've gone, and this is... This is a time that he has said this again and again and again. Actually, I had them marked in a different Bible. So I think this is number 6 out of 11, but it might be number 5 out of 11. Like I looked out expecting to see it there, and it was marked in a different Bible. But this is to fulfill what Isaiah had said. And so let's talk about what Isaiah had said. Because this is Jesus speaking to your default settings and my default settings. And this fulfills what Isaiah had prophesied. So we've got to go all the way back to Isaiah chapter 7. And Isaiah goes to see King Ahaz. King Ahaz is a king of Judah. Judah is part of the southern kingdom now. And so you see that little yellow triangle up there, and that is where Jerusalem is. So Ahaz is king of Jerusalem. This is different than Israel at this point, because Judah and Israel had split after um, Solomon's reign, then Rehoboam had taken over, and so there was a split between the kingdoms. This is after that. And so King Ahaz is in the middle of Israel, the northern kingdom, attacking him. So they've gone down and they've attacked him. But that's not the only thing that's wrong. The other thing that's wrong for King Ahaz is Syria is attacking him. So Israel and Syria have joined forces to attack Ahaz. But that's not the only thing that's wrong. Edom has also attacked him. But that's not the only thing that's wrong. Philistia has, the Philistines, have also attacked him. Or they're are on their way to attacking him. See, these nations had formed a coalition to attack Ahaz because he wouldn't unite with them against the superpower in the northeast Assyria, And so they're trying to come in and put a puppet king on the throne. So Isaiah, remember we're talking about how this prophecy fulfills what Isaiah had said. Isaiah comes to Ahaz and says, here's what you need to do. You need to do nothing but trust God. Be quiet, be still, don't give way to fear, just trust God. And Isaiah says, I know this is tough. So the Lord has said, just ask for a sign. Ask for anything, as high as heaven or as deep as hell. Ask for whatever you want. And Ahaz says, you know, I'm not going to put the Lord to the test. I'm far too spiritual for that. Um, and, and he doesn't ask for a sign. But this is because he has already made this alliance instead of trusting god he takes things into his own hands and trusts the king of assyria to come and rescue him from especially israel and syria not assyria but syria so isaiah says well then you're going to get a sign and the sign is emmanuel or god with us and a virgin is going to be with child and she's going to have a son and his name will be emmanuel and before he's old enough These two kings that you're so afraid of, they're going to be utterly destroyed. He says, but so are you. You're going to be destroyed by the same people, Assyria. And so this is the prophecy that Isaiah gave that Matthew is quoting. Okay, so here here he goes. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Remember, where are those? Those are in the northern part of Israel. They're on the wrong side of history. They're the wrong people. To Ahaz, they were the bad guys. Back then in Jesus' day, that would have been like the people that we're not so sure about because are they really part of us or not? We're not sure. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way... Of the sea, beyond the Jordan. Galilee. Remember the region of Galilee as we have north. Of the, ready for this? Gentiles. Like, you didn't want to be one of the Gentiles. And that word, that Greek word there, is the word ethnos, where we get ethnic from. Why don't you just say ethnic right with me? Because we're going to come back to this in just a second. So, ready? Ethnic. Galilee of The Gentiles, or the nations, or the ethnicities. The people dwelling in darkness. What strikes me is, Matthew and Isaiah write about this, like people choosing darkness, like they're dwelling in darkness. They are staying in darkness. The people dwelling in darkness. The people that are on the wrong side of history. The people that have gotten so much wrong. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, how many of you are like, I wonder if there's real estate available in the region and shadow of death? Like, I wonder if I could move in to the region and shadow of death. What are the schools like in the region and shadow of death? What is the crime rate like in the region and shadow of death? And for those who dwell in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. This is the quote Matthew uses to introduce Jesus in his ministry. He came preaching to people who are dwelling, who are sitting, who are living in darkness. And he says it's like light came and shone on them. So he says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Our default settings are always tuned to darkness. Their default settings were darkness. They lived in darkness. And to those people, Jesus came preaching. And so so let's talk about this now. We're going to talk about who Jesus preached to. Then we'll talk about what Jesus' preaching was like. And finally, we'll talk about what Jesus called to do, called them to do. Okay? So who he preached to, what it was like, and what he wanted them to do. This will relate to us in our default settings, that, you know, the stuff that we need to change, and it feels like, feels like we can't, or we keep reverting back. So, so first, who did Jesus preach to? Jesus came and preached to people who really, really needed change. He came and preached to people who were dwelling in darkness. Now that darkness... For them, that would mean idolatry. It would mean they were living a lie. They were living a slave to idols. This is part of them being part of the northern kingdom. Remember, Judah is down in the south. They had the temple. They had the right kind of worship. They had Yahweh. And then in the north, they rejected the temple and rejected the light and chose darkness. And Jesus goes and serves people who need the light, because they are living in darkness. Jesus goes and preaches to people who are living under the, under the terrible threat, under the tyranny of death, and for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death. And for them, a long time ago, in Isaiah's day, that would mean they were the ones that were utterly decimated By the Assyrians. When the Assyrians came in. And laid waste to everything. In Isaiah chapter 8. That leads into this passage. In Isaiah chapter 9. That Matthew quotes from. He talks about how they live. In the darkness. Which is the gloom of anguish. (sighs) That's really the gloom of anguish. Okay. So it's like darkness. Death. Death. Gloom of anguish. And these are the people that live there because they're living in the rubble of ruined lives. You know, they've they've made choices that can't be unmade. Some of the choices were made for them. And here they are with just smoking ruins of a life. Here's the thing you need to see. This might be the only thing you need this morning. Jesus didn't wait for these people to come to him. Jesus went to them. He didn't wait for these people to say, you know what, we're living in the darkness, we need to change. He came and lived among them and preached to them. And he does that for you and he does that for me. He comes to us to show us the way out. Jesus came and preached to people. Who did he come come and preach to? People that live in the dark. People that live in the shadow of death. People that live in the gloom of anguish. Jesus came to people that need change. And what was Jesus preaching like? Jesus preaching was like light. This is what it says twice. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them light has dawned. See, Jesus, when he came preaching, it was like seeing light. When you've been living in the dark for a very long time, it was like seeing light. Now, let's talk about what does light do? Well, for people who are living in the lie of idolatry, it's like showing them the truth. It's like when you wake up in the middle of the night... And you got to go to the bathroom, and you're trying to not wake up your spouse. And so you don't turn on the light. You just kind of go in the dark, and you're kind of walking through your room in the dark. And you, you know, stub your toe on something. You do that because you can't see the truth about what's in your way. And Jesus' preaching is like light. It just shows us the truth about what's in our lives. Light is like truth. Light is... Life-giving. You think of like photosynthesis. You need light to live. And Jesus' teaching is like that. You read that and you read about the forgiveness of sins, and it is utterly life-giving. You read Jesus' teaching, and it's like it's like truth. It is truth. I mean, it's like light. That is truth. It's like it's life-giving. And it's also It's also hope-giving. It also gives us hope and courage to people who are living in the gloom of anguish. Jesus came preaching light. Now look, this is really important because light is really required for any and all positive change that I, that I I can think of. You think of like surgery. Would you want to go into surgery if the surgeon was operating in the dark? You know, like, oh, we're experimenting with this new thing. Like, we don't turn any light on. We just go in and start cutting and kind of feel our way through it. I think, I think you'd want light to be on, you know, when, when you're having surgery, as much light as possible. Or, or what, about, what about a haircut? Would you be okay with someone cutting your hair in the dark? You know, most of you, I think, would rather have surgery in the dark than a haircut in the dark. We don't want to have a haircut in the dark. You go into beauticians and that, that's pretty well lit most of the time. You think of like, I think of, I guess in my mind, I think of like dressing rooms when they show them in the movies anyway. And you have all these light bulbs all around the mirror. Like there, There's a lot of light in there because when they do their makeup, they really want a lot of light. Because it really helps you put the makeup in the right spot, I guess. Get, get everything. You can't do that in the dark. You can't put makeup on in the dark. I even think... I don't even think it's risky getting dressed in the dark. You know, if you're going to make a positive change, you need light. And Jesus' teaching is light. Jesus came and preached. He preached to people who were sitting in the dark, people who needed change. And his preaching was like light. And now what does he preach? What did Jesus preach? What is the content of what Jesus had to say? Well, this is in verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what happens if you're reading this and you're like, I want to change. I know I need to change, but I can't. You know, I've tried to change, and I've tried to change, and I've tried to change, and I just can't. Because, because it sounds like Jesus just says, repent, like just change. Well, I think it's helpful to, to see like the fuller expression of Jesus' teaching. So if you want to know what he taught in one sentence, you read 417. If you want to know what he taught, like in long form, you go down to Matthew chapter 5. And if you look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, this is the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' longest recorded teaching. It goes from um, chapter 5, verse 3, all the way through chapter 7. And where does he start? He starts with, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Remember what he just said? He just said, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now he said, do you want the kingdom of heaven? The first step in repentance. The first step in change. Is being poor in spirit. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It's to mean you know you can't change. It means you know that there's nothing you can do. It means you know that you come empty handed to Christ. And say, in a sense, nothing in my hand I cling. Simply Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. So if you're like, I don't know, I can't change. Welcome. Now you're ready to receive Jesus' teaching on repentance. Now you're ready. So what did Jesus preach? He preached about change. How did he preach? Well, like light. That shows us how to change and shows us what needs to change. Who did Jesus preach to? He preached to people that really, really need change badly. People that live in the dark. And under the shadow of death. So what should we do? Well, we should follow Jesus. Because this is what it means to repent. So if you look at the next passage... What does Jesus do again and again in the very next passage? He tells people after, you know, you get his sermon in one line, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then in the next passage, he just, we just see that acted out as again and again, he tells people to follow him. He says, come follow me. He says that three times in the paragraph of verse 18 through verse 22. And then again in verse 25, great cl- crowds followed him follow him. This is how how the book comes to a conclusion where Jesus tells the people who have followed him, now you go and help other people follow me. Go and make disciples. Why do we do this? Well, we do this because this is how to live in the light. We do this because this is the positive change that we need. We do this because our default settings only lead us down to death and frustration and darkness but why do we do this? Because amazingly, and, and the more you are aware of the darkness in you and the death in you and the sin in you, the more you're aware of that, the more amazing this statement is. Jesus said, when he is giving light in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 14 says, you, you are the light of the world. How? Because we reflect his light. Like the moon reflects the light of the sun. His light bounces off us. As we follow him, and as we obey him, and as our default settings are rewritten. We learn to follow him. So we get to be light too. For me, a really important part of this is when I wake up in the morning. One of the first things I do is I sit down and I give thanks. Thanks. And I read his word. Because reading his word is receiving the light. And part of that process, after I've read the word, is confessing sin. For my default settings that lead me into sin again and again. Part of that is resolving again to live in the light. As he is in the light and be the light. Reflect him. But this comes down to a decision do you want to stay in the dark? Do you enjoy the gloom of anguish? I mean, there's a sense in which it's hard to leave. The darkness is comfortable and feels safe. And as terrible as it is, at least we know it and can predict it. Do you want to stay there? Or do you want to follow him into the light? And actually, in his words, and I just I wouldn't say it, but he said it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. Follow him into the light. And as you follow him into the light, you'll follow him to people who are still in the dark. Follow him to them. This is where Jesus um, finishes in Matthew. So in Matthew chapter 28. He comes back. 28 verse 16. Now when the 11 disciples went to... Where did he tell them to go? Do you remember? Maybe you'll say it out loud. You want to say it out loud? Galilee. He come back to Galilee. Of the Gentiles, remember? They go back to Galilee. You know, the 11 disciples went to Galilee. And as Jesus is about to go back to heaven, he tells them, go therefore and make disciples of all... Remember? of all ethnos, of all nations, of all the ethnicities. We follow Jesus to people who live in the dark, but to people who need the light. And just like Jesus, we don't wait for them to come to us. We don't wait for them to figure it out. We don't wait for them to become good people or nice people. Or We, like Jesus, love them because Jesus first loved us. So it's true. It's true what we say. We ask Jesus to show us the way. And we pray, keep our eyes on your light. Help us keep your words and your way and your light in front of us all the time. So that we can be the light of the world as we reflect your light. This is why I follow Jesus. We're doing this sermon series called Why Follow Jesus. This is why I follow Jesus. I follow Jesus because he is the light. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would make us truthful people as we live in the light. That you would make us life-giving people as we live in the light. And that you would make us hope-giving people As we live in the light, Lord, help us receive that and reject the darkness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you cut me off, before we're done, here are the discussion questions for this week. Remember, this is taking place online and in different groups, but also room 110 in the very back just past the kitchen. Here are the discussion questions. You can do this in room 110 or like on your way home or over lunch or whatever. Matthew 4.16 implies that even though people need to change, they don't. You know they dwell in the darkness. Why do you think people don't change? So you all know people who need to change and who don't. Why? Have you ever experienced Jesus to be light? How has that been true in your experience? And number three, read Matthew 4.17. How would you coach someone who confides in you I want to change, but I just can't. Thank you. I love you, and I miss you.